0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, hey, we're glad to have you. My name is Josh. I'm the pastor here at New Song. I'm joined today by the lovely and talented Sarah, and uh, we're going to be continuing our series called Relation Slips today, talking about marriage. Now, Maybe you're in here today and you're not married. Uh, maybe you've gone through a divorce. Uh, maybe you're just single. You haven't got to that place in your life. Uh, I, I promise you today that there's something for you in this message. In fact, I was thinking about it earlier today, and most of the principles that we're going to talk about today are totally applicable to your everyday life outside of sex, okay? That, that part of it doesn't apply to you unless you're married, okay, just so you know, all right? Uh, right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen, single people, right? Okay, uh, but the rest of this, you know, whether you're single or you're married or you're dating somebody, I believe that if you'll, if you'll take some of these things to heart, God will begin to help you, strengthen you to become the kind of person you need to be on the day that, that you get married. So wherever you're at today, this is a great time for you to hear this message. And like Ryan said, uh, we traveled this week. We ended up, we missed a flight, ended up having a 10 and a half hour drive together, which for a lot of people you go, man, that sounds awful. We were excited about it. Ten and a half hours, just us, no kids, right? We were like, yes, this is awesome. And, uh, and so as we were traveling, we really felt like God started speaking to us about sharing this message together today. So I'm excited to get to share this with my wife. And this is our first time ever doing this. Yeah. Tag team, back again. Whoop! there it is, all right? So it's <laughs> going to be good. Um, yeah, that song has been in my head all weekend, since been, which is awful. But um, but before we get into that, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, the first one is that Closer is coming up this Thursday. Sarah, you want to talk yes, about that?
1: Closer is Thursday. How many ladies are going to Closer? Let me see your hands. All right, we are super excited. If you have not registered... Uh, Please do so in the lobby, and then if Thursday comes around and you're like, oh, I didn't register, I can't go, you can still come. We just ask you to register so we can plan for snacks and things like that. It's going to be awesome. Aubrey Oaks is going to be leading worship. I've got a great message that the Lord's given me. I cannot wait to share. We have some amazing giveaways. We have a... um, really cool piece of art from Magnolia Market in Waco that we're giving to the person who brings the most guests. And we also have a treat yourself package that we're just going to draw a name. So everybody that comes will enter their names. So um, it's it's anybody's prize. And it's got a, a facial in it I used my birthday money to go get a facial. I've never had one before, but I was like, I'm gonna test this out, what we're putting in this treat yourself package. It was incredible. I should have never done it because now I'm gonna wanna do it all the time. But there's the facial, there's a pedicure, there's an hour massage, there's a $100 shopping spree and tons of chocolate and little goodies like that. So come, it's going to be amazing. Bring your friends. It's Thursday night at 7 Doors open at 6.30, and it's going to be at the Noah's event venue. It's going to be decorated, beautiful. We have a fruit punch bar. It's going to be really fun, ladies, so do not miss it.
0: Yeah, and in her message, I've, I, I'm privy to the notes, so I've already seen what Sarah has in store for you ladies, and I'm telling you, it is going to change your life. It's incredible. If you've ever heard Sarah speak before, just know... She brings it on this stuff, so it's going to be really good, so make sure you're there. Also, uh, next Sunday we're having our child dedications here at the church. So if you have a little baby that's never been dedicated, we would love to uh, to pray with them and, and help dedicate them with you to the Lord. And we need you to register for this because we have some really amazing giveaways uh, that we're going to give to you and your family. A certificate, a Bible, we have a, 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 a nursery uh, Christian nursery album that we're going to give you that act- I actually wrote a bunch of the songs on it. It's really good, if I must say so myself. But uh, we would love to, to, for your child to participate in that. So make sure that you, you sign up this week. You go to newsongpeople.com slash childdedication, and you can register to have your, your child signed up, all right? So our goal today, as we talk about relationships, we're talking about marriage, and our goal today is to help you in your marriage, wherever you may be, to help you to grow in this, and I can't help but kind of start off at the beginning, right? Because that's a very good place to start. Right. And, uh, and so I, I, I think back to years and years ago. I was 19 years old. I was at church. And I was in the lobby of our church. And I'm going to have a hard time sitting today, but I'm going to do my best to try to sit here. You can okay? Make a okay. Well, I was 19 years old, and I'm hanging out in the church lobby. And you've got to understand something about 19 year old Josh. Like, 19 year old Josh was very arrogant, <laughs> very prideful. It was just not a good version of me at that point in my life. And I I pretty much, I was at a big church. I was a preacher's kid there. I thought everyone worshiped me. Like I had some really bad, she's nodding her head. She knows. It was not a good version of me. Okay, so full of pride, all this stuff. And I'm hanging out in the lobby at church, you know, like you do. If you're a teenager, you hang out there and you're putting out the vibe, right? You know, trying to look cool without making yourself look like you're trying to look cool. You teenagers, you know what I'm talking about, even though you're not nodding your head. (laughs) But I was hanging out there doing my thing, putting out the vibe, and one of my friends comes up to me and he says, hey, man, I heard that there's this girl that had a dream that she was going to marry you. And I got to be honest with you, when I heard this, I thought, oh, there's probably lots of girls having dreams about <laughs> me. That was not the case, though. But, but I, I, I didn't really think much of it. I just kind of thought, yeah, whatever, you know, some young girl's having a dream about me, sure, you know. Uh, well, then a couple days later, I'm at church again on Wednesday night, and another person comes up to me and says, hey, man, there's this girl that had a dream that she's going to marry you. And I was like, yeah, I already, I already know. He was like, yeah, but she really thinks she's, it's going to happen. And so now I get a little bit more curious with the whole thing, because now I'm starting to think, okay, there are two scenarios that can play out here from the movies that I've seen. One is... That I meet this girl, and we fall in love, and we live happily ever after, right? That's, that's the good version. The other version is that I'm running around in a dark house being chased by somebody with a sharp object. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out, like, where is this going to go? So I kind of left it alone, but I'm back at church on Sunday the next week, and I see this first friend that told me about it. And I said, hey, can you show me who this girl is? Because I'm curious. And so he points out this little, this little gal to me. And so I see her, and I, you know, she's cute. She's got potential. She's young, but she's cute. But I'm thinking, you know, a few years, this is, this is a possibility. It's not, it's not too bad. And so here's, here's me. I'm going to mess with this girl, right? I'm 19 years old, full of pride, full of, full of myself. So I'm just going to go over there, and I'm going to confront her on this. So I walk over. She's talking to a group of these, these other girls. I walk over and tap her on the shoulder. She turns around. Her eyes get real big. And I said, hey, I'm Josh. And uh, I heard that you had a dream that you were going to marry me. And, uh, and that you really think this is going to happen. Now, I'm thinking that she's going to just be like turn red and be freaked out about the whole thing. Uh, but she doesn't. She looks at me right in the eyes and she just goes, yeah. <laughs> and so now I'm the one going, okay, I don't know. I wasn't expecting this. I'm not. So I was just like, all right, good luck with that. And, <laughs> I, and I turned and I walked away. Um, now, here's, here's what the end of the story, uh, is that was this girl right here. That was her. And she literally had a dream that that we were going to get married before I even knew her. And, uh, and she believed it and began to believe for it. And we got, we ended up getting married. And so I literally, 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 am the man of her dreams.
1: He likes to remind me yes, of that Yes, I often. do. Every once
0: in a while. But here's the thing. Even though we started off really well, uh, marriage has a funny way of bringing out things. And very early into our marriage, things were not going very good.
1: Yeah, so fast forward three years later after the dream, and we're getting married. I'm 18, and I'm so excited to start my life as Mrs. Joshua Blunt. Like, I am pumped. We have an awesome wedding an amazing honeymoon, like a 14-day honeymoon in Hawaii. We move back to Tulsa, or we, we come back to Tulsa, move into our new home, this little tiny fixer-upper, and um, we're ready to start our life together. But real quickly, I would say six months in, things start to kind of happen, and we start to drift apart. And I could not never really put my finger on what, why we weren't connecting. But we weren't, and we dated for three years, Um, We're so close, never broke up. Got along great. We're best friends. Uh, But this dream life that I had imagined was not playing out for us like we thought that it would. Uh, He was doing his own thing. He had a band at the time, and he was real into his band. I was trying to figure out what my thing was. I was young and, and didn't really know. Um, where my place was in the world. So I'm trying to figure out my thing. He's figuring out his thing. He's hanging out with his friends more than he's hanging out with me. And I'm hanging out with my friends more than I'm hanging out with him. And um, this goes on for two years. And we're living together and we're cordial. We're not arguing or fighting all the time. But we're just drifting apart. And um, about two years into our marriage, we were both a mess. And I found out that he had a pornography addiction and he had had it um, as long as we've been married and before he even knew me. And so there was this hidden, this hidden sin, this hidden part of him that's now coming out. And it's kind of helping me to understand why we weren't connecting. But then there's me, and I'm uh, not doing great myself. I'm immature, I'm selfish, and I find myself involved in an emotional relationship with a guy at work. And we're working in ministry at this time, both in church, and but we're so far away from God and so far away from each other. So, when this news comes out that he has this pornography addiction, I decide that this is an easy way out of this marriage. It's not really going how I thought it was going to go. So, I'm thinking divorce. Divorce kind of runs in my family, and at this point, it seemed like a very viable option. We don't have kids. I'm only 20 years old. Let's just act like this never happened. And I remember telling him, like, we can get a divorce. You can blame it all on me. Like, just say it was my idea and. And, um, and we'll just go our separate ways and I remember packing my stuff out of our closet and him asking me not to leave and I was hurt and confused and I left and I went to my parents' house and after about three days of crying and sulking and trying to figure out what I was gonna do with my life, I finally turned to God and just said, Lord, help me know what to do. What do I do? I don't know what to do. I, there's part of me that still loves him but I feel so far from him. How can we ever get things back to, to where they were? And I went to sleep. And the next, the next day I woke up, and I, I don't know how to explain it to you other than I just felt like God had put a fight in me. And I felt like when I woke up that morning, I just heard, you've got to fight for this. Like, don't give up. What are you doing? It's kind of like he's shaking me like, you've got to fight for this. There's something there worth fighting for. Even if you don't see it right now, I promise if you fight for this, that I'll fight with you. And so I decided to fight. I came back home. I told him that I was sorry. I asked him to forgive me. He asked me to forgive him. And we decided that we were going to fight. And um, when we were planning this, this message talking about this, the Lord just gave me Lamentations 3.22 it says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So maybe you're here today and you have drifted in your relationship with your spouse. Um, maybe you don't feel anything towards your spouse. Like you want to feel something and those feelings just aren't there. I'm here to tell you that his mercies are new every morning. And every morning you get a chance to start over. And we started off really bad in our really marriage. Bad. The first 2 years of our marriage, sometimes I I just like I feel like our marriage started on year 3. But it's not how you start. Yeah. It's how you finish. And that's what we want to talk Write to you guys about today. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And and that verse is great. And in fact that's what this message is called today is is new every morning because We believe this, that every day is a new chance for you to take ground in your relationships and in your marriage, for you to pursue being the best possible spouse that you can be. And I want you to hear this this morning as we talk about this. There's a tendency sometimes when you hear a message like this to be hearing it, and we're going to talk about a lot of things today, and and you might hear some things and think, well, man, I, I really hope that my spouse is listening to this right now. You may even be tempted to elbow them. Let me just encourage you, don't do that. Especially if you're a dude, you're going to get pinched, right? <laughs> so don't do that. And here's what you should do. As you, as you listen today, I want you to take this from, the, from this perspective. Work on, this is about you. What can you do? Make this message about you and, 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 and what, what changes can I make? And ask yourself this question today. What would it be like to be married to me? That's a good question for you to ask yourself today. And, and so let's, let's take that approach with this. Now, as we jump into this today, before we get into our points, we have four points for you today. I want to kind of set up for you kind of the biblical understanding of what a marriage is. Because I think sometimes what, what ends up tripping us up and causing these relations slips for us is that we go into marriage with the wrong kind of thinking. Uh, and and the, the way God does this in Scripture, the way it's put out to us and shown to us in Scripture is that marriage is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant marriage is a covenant covenant in hebrew means to cut and in, in bible times they used to actually actually physically uh, sometimes exchange blood at the in the wedding ceremony in different ways one way they would do it is they would cut the hand of the bride and the groom and they would put their hands together and they would tie a rope around them and their blood would intermingle together and it was a symbol of what God was doing. The Bible says when you get married the two people become one flesh. It was a symbol of their blood being mixed together and them no longer being two separate entities but them now being in covenant together and being seen through the eyes of God as one person as one flesh. Uh, Another way they would symbolize this and symbolize the devastation of what can happen when marriage doesn't work out is they would take an animal like a bull and they would uh, they would kill this bull and they would cut it up and chop it up into pieces and all of the pieces they would lay out on the ground and during the wedding ceremony at one point the bride and the groom would take hands and they would walk through that dead carcass the pieces and the blood and all that stuff aren't you glad this is not a part of the marriage ceremony anymore right i was thinking about this week like you would have to have another outfit that you would change into for that like the blood the blood dancing outfit I don't, but, but it was a symbol of this. What they were doing in that was saying, uh, let, let this be what happens to me if I break this covenant. That, that my life would fall apart in this way. And it's, it's kind of gross and kind of ugly, and yet it's, it's very beautiful, actually. Because it shows this commitment to saying, like, this is not about me anymore. I am joining together with this other person. And we are in this together and we will fight for this together, and there will, nothing will break this apart. And, and if you think about it, it's really a picture of what Jesus did for us. Uh, Luke 20, um, verse 22, Jesus is at the Last Supper on that Thursday night, and he begins to, to talk about kind of this idea. He, said, he, he pulls out the cup, and he says this, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And in that moment, Jesus was declaring his commitment to us, the church, uh, and to us as his people, and saying that he is entering into a new covenant with us. And, and, and you think about it, Jesus did that before we ever made a move. He declared, he, he sacrificed his blood, he allowed himself to be cut open, and he bled to enter into this covenant with us where he would, he would always be about us and about the betterment of us. And we can always approach Jesus, no matter how much of a mess we are, and know that he's going to receive us and he's going to accept us. And it's not based on how good we do for him. It's based on how much he loves us and that he is in covenant with us. And that same approach that Jesus has to us as people is the kind of approach we need to have as we go into our marriage. Our marriage is not based on the performance of our spouse. It's based on we have entered into a covenant with them and we love them and we are going to love them through this no matter what. We're going to be there for them. Now, I say that, I also want to make this clear. Uh, That does not give people the right to be abusive in any way. It does not give a husband the right to, to make his wife a punching bag. And we're not saying that at all. There are grounds for divorce, if you are in a place where your, your spouse is abusive physically, abusive to children, sometimes there's a separation that needs to take place, there's counseling that needs to take place, you need to get, get that situation. So I'm not telling you to just, hey, stay with it and fight through that. No, you may need to make some changes. But what I am saying is, in most situations, what I see, we counsel people. And, and I come across people that, that they get to this place in their marriage where things are not going exactly how they wanted them to, and in that moment they say, well, I'm done. I'm out. They're not going to do it. I'm, I'm done. And we, we approach our marriage relationships like a contract instead of like a covenant. Now, a covenant is this. A covenant is based on a mutual commitment. A covenant is based on a mutual commitment. It, it says that I'm committed to this person, and I'm going to be there for this person now, no matter what. Uh, that commitment sometimes means that some, for some seasons of my life, I may have to be unhappy. But I'm willing to be unhappy And stay committed to this person to help them to get to where they have to be. Listen, Sarah did not want to deal with a pornography issue. I guarantee you that. But she stuck with me through that. Because I I needed her then. That's when I needed her the most. And so often what what will happen in marriages is when people actually need us the most is when we say, No, I'm done. I'm through. Because it's like a contract. A contract is based on mutual distrust. Think about it. When you go to, to buy a house... They hand you a stack of papers, right? And and so you know what those papers represent is, hey, if you mess us over, we're going to mess your life over. That's what they represent. We don't completely trust you, so you're going to sign your life away. And if you don't do, if you don't fulfill your end of the bargain, then we are going to come after you and we are going to try to ruin you. And sometimes I think we, we kind of have that same approach in, in our marriages. It's like we're, we, we enter into them and it's like, well, it, you know, this is all good, but if, if this feeling goes away that I have, this love goes away, or if you cross this certain line, then I'm out of here and I'm done and we're finished. But the, the picture that we see in scripture is this picture of a covenant that, that says that we're going to be there. This is a blood relationship. That we are unified, we are one flesh, and we are going to be there for each other through the good, through the bad, like our vows say whenever we get married. In sickness, in health, through the good times and the bad, till death do us part. It's a big deal getting married. It's a big deal. But it's a beautiful deal. And it's a deal where God can come in and do some amazing things to, to help you to stick it out. And so here's the thing, divorce is off the table, you, you, you got to get that off the table. That can't even be a thought. You got to have this, this, this thing in you that says, I'm going to stick this out. I'm committed to this person. I'm committed to this relationship. I'm going to help them through this, no matter what that may be. And so today we're going to give you four things as we kind of jump into this that will help you to build and maintain, based on this idea of a covenant, build and maintain a marriage, things that we've done, that we've seen help strengthen our marriage. And, and I hope you know this as we jump into this. We've kind of talked about this a little bit, but we were in such a dark place when we first began this journey of seeking God and seeking to grow in our marriage. It was so bad. Divorce was on the table for us at that point. And yet when we connected with God and we, con- and we began to intentionally connect with each other, it was amazing the healing work that God began to do. To the point that a few years ago when we went to plant this church, uh, we went through an assessment process with an organization and in the process, this church organization that plants, has planted almost 600 churches to this day sat us down at the end of it, and they said, you guys have the strongest marriage we've ever seen come through this place. And I don't tell you that today to brag on us. This is not about this. This is about Jesus yeah. and what Jesus can, can do. Right. No matter where you are today, no matter how distant you may feel from your spouse, maybe your spouse isn't even here today. Maybe you brought the kids on your own. I'm telling you, if you will begin to do these things for you, God will begin to move into your relationship and help heal your heart. So four things we want to give you. Sarah, take it away.
1: And let me say this too. It's not about... Divorce is off the table, so we're not going to get divorced, but we're going to be miserable. That's what this is about today. Yeah, God came to give us life and life more abundantly, and he wants you to have happy and healthy marriages, not to just stick through things um, and, and, and have a miserable marriage. He wants your marriages to be happy and healthy. So that's yeah. what these four things are about. So the first one, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's keep your tail wagging.
0: Wag that tail.
1: Keep your tail wagging. Um, when Josh and I were dating, he came to my parents and he asked them a very important question. He said, can I get Sarah a puppy for Christmas? And they said yes, because they love Josh and yes. they could never say no to anything. They probably would have told me no, but they we said yes a, to I him. I think
0: we got a picture of the puppy here, right? Nora. Casey? Yeah, there she is. There's Nora.
1: She's awesome. Little Boston Terrier, cutest uh, puppy uh, you uh, have uh, ever seen. And I she's, don't
0: know what I'm doing there, but Whatever. <laughs>
1: You were fixing the lawnmower, if Anytime I we'd ever, I'd... Po-
0: I'd always pose like a football with her whenever, anyways. Yeah. Okay. okay,
1: so she's still in the family. She's old, she's gray, she's fat. Uh, she lives with my mom and dad. We gave her away to them when we started having kids and our life got super we busy. We abandoned her. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, but, but she's still in the family. She lives with my mom and dad's. And so the thing I love about Nora, my favorite thing about her, is every time you see her, she gets so excited. Her, yeah. her entire body wags. Yes. Like she doesn't just wag her tail, she wags her whole backside for a while. Like yeah. she just makes and she you pees feel herself too. She does she feeds herself. <laughs> she makes you feel so loved and so appreciated. And here's the thing you could you could go and see Nora and she gets so excited. And then you can leave and maybe go get dinner with the family and come back in 30 minutes and she does it all over again. All over again. <laughs> she never becomes too familiar with me. She knows my face, she knows my smell, but she's not so familiar with me that she's like, oh, it's just Sarah. She never, she ne- that never enters her thinking. I have a question for you today. Have you grown too familiar with your spouse? Now I know that you recognize their face and you recognize their voice, you're familiar with them. But are you too familiar with them that you've just grown accustomed to them? And when they walk in the door, it's, oh, it's just them. We've got to keep our tail wagging. And I want you to see this in scripture. If you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark 6, verses 1 through 5. It says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. Say hometown. Hometown the next sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed they asked where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles then they scoffed so first they're amazed and then they're scoffing a a couple verses later he's just a carpenter oh it's just jesus he's just a carpenter the son of mary and the brother of james joseph judas and simon and his sisters live right here among us they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. So these people that Jesus grew up with, they've become too familiar with him. It's in his hometown. And I think sometimes it's in the walls of our own home that we become too familiar with the people that mean the most to us and can have the most impact on our lives. And so we shortchange ourselves because we don't allow that person uh, to have a special place in our lives. We become so familiar with them that there's no mighty works can be done. Some of the greatest moments of ministry that we've ever had are in our home between the two of us. But if I'm thinking, oh, it's just him, it's just Josh, if I don't, get excited about this gift that God's given me, then no mighty works can be done. Um, I think that when you get married, people tell you that the feelings quickly fade. And I remember when we were dating thinking, you guys don't know us. That is not They don't know what kind of love we got. We got a real love. Like, this is is real.
0: This is real, yeah. Right?
1: And (laughs) they were totally right. I mean, within like two months, I'm like, wait. This does not feel the same as it did when we were dating. And uh, I think part of it is you just grow too familiar with him. So as I was thinking about this, I thought about how we are like that in our walk with the Lord, that when we first get saved, when we first get a miracle, when we first get this big breakthrough, we are all in with God. We worship him. We have this fire in our heart that can't be tamed. And then time passes and that fire starts to, to fade. And we see this with the Church of Ephesus. And Jesus addresses it in Revelation. He says, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. So we can apply this principle to our walk with the Lord and to our marriages. We need to look at our marriage and say, consider how far we've fallen. Like, how far have you fallen from when you were first dating or maybe... It was when you were first married or even a couple of months ago when when the fire just seemed to burn a little stronger. Consider how far you've fallen and then repent, tell your spouse you're sorry. Let them know you recognize that you've become too familiar with them and the gift that God has given you when he gave you them. So repent, I'm sorry I've become too familiar with you. I'm sorry I've taken you for granted. And then do the things that you did at first. Um, I know for us, when Josh gets home from work, I'm usually at my most tired. And the kids are usually at their most cranky. And I'm usually making dinner, which I hate making
0: dinner. Can you be able to relate to this as like a husband? You yes. come in the house, it's like, whoa, okay, everybody's on We've full apart mode day, right now. day, right? and then around
1: 5.30, things start to really go downhill. Yeah. So when he walks in the door, I'm not wanting to be like Nora. and be wagging like, her tail yeah. all the time. A lot of times I just think... Oh, it's you. Can you help me do this and this and this and this and go spank this one? And, and it just, like, it gets a little intense. But yeah. if I make the decision that I'm going to honor him in our own home and come over to him and say, hey, I love you. I'm glad you're home. I missed you. The night will go better. And that's how we treated each other yeah, at I, first.
0: And I do the same thing. A lot of times at the end of the day when I'm coming home, uh, I've been in meetings all day. I've been writing messages. I've been, my brain is kind of mush. And I, I, I literally get in my truck and I pray on my way home and I pray that God will help me to be the dad that my kids need, to be the husband that she needs. I make, it's kind of like putting on my game face. Like it's time for me to step up and I have to will sometimes myself to do this and make a choice because listen, she doesn't deserve my leftovers. My kids don't deserve my leftovers. They deserve my best, and sometimes I have to fight to give them my best. But what I want to do sometimes is come in and say, "Hey, make me a sandwich and go sit down and watch Sports Center." But that's he never not, does. That. I never do because that's not okay. That's not that's not acceptable. And so that's a decision. It's a choice that we have to make that we're going to do this. Sometimes you do it when you don't feel like it at all. That's what we're talking about here. You will yourself to do this to make these choices to put other people above yourself and your own needs.
1: I'm, I hardly ever feel like it, but I pretend. And when you make the choice, the feelings follow.
0: Yes, right. that down. Make the choice,
1: the feelings will follow.
0: Feelings follow choices. So yep. some of the things that we do, you want to talk about that? Yeah.
1: So some of the things that we do at first, like I'm thinking about our dating days. Go back to the things you did at first. One of the things Josh did that I loved is he would make me mix CDs and leave them in my mailbox.
0: Not mix tapes, mix CDs. Mix CDs.
1: And he'd always name them like something really cute. I still have all of them. And... Um, he would then call me and say, hey, I left something in your mailbox, and I'd go get it, and we'd listen to the CD together, and I was into, like, really lame music back then, and he was teaching me cool, like...
0: I'm like, super deep in arts, you yeah,
1: guys. Yeah, right? You don't even know. So, he was, he was teaching me, like, I was going from Sync to, like, Radiohead. Um, so, he was, he was walking me through this, this transition, um, so he made me these CDs, and, and we listened to them together, and he still does this. He has a playlist on Spotify, and it's called Songs I Think Sarah Will Like. And if he hears a song he thinks I like, he adds it to the playlist. And it's one of those things for me that I just know he's thinking about me. He loves me, and he's being intentional to do something that, that he did at first that lets me know that he's, he's
0: yeah, caring. Yeah, guys, I think sometimes we overcomplicate romance. I think we think it has to be like this grand, big thing of getting flowers. Romance, if you really study it out, what it means is that what you do for your spouse is you show them that you're thinking about them when you don't have to, and you do things for them that it's shooting them a text, it's it's adding a song into a playlist, it's it's giving them a phone call in the middle of the day, not because you need anything or want anything, just to see how they're doing and tell them that you love them. That's romantic. That's that's thinking about someone when you don't have to. That lets and that brings security and. And, and fills her heart up, okay? Let's yep. move on. Yep. All, right? all right. Number two is shop off the registry. Shop off the registry. Now, we've had uh, four registry encounters in our life to this point. We, when we got married, we had a registry for all the things that we needed when we got married. Um, So you you know you go into Bed Bath and Beyond or whatever and you get they send you that little gun and you get to walk through and consider all the things that you're going to need whenever you get married. Uh, Then when we had babies, every time we had a new baby, we have a you know a boy first. We go and we register for a little boy, then you have a girl and you got to get new things. And so we've had all, all these different registries that we've set up. And if you know anything about Sarah, she's a planner. And so with every registry that we've ever set up, she does her research, her homework. She studies things out. She wants to be the best mama she can be. She wants to have the best house she could possibly have. And so she did her homework. Well, on every occasion, it never failed that we would always have people that would buy us stuff that was not on our registry. They would get us things that we didn't register for. Now, we appreciate the fact that they're getting us something, but we would really appreciate it if they would get us stuff off the list of of what we need. I think
1: I still have six pizza cutters. I
0: think so, yeah. yeah. Tons of pizza cutters because people were shopping off our registry. Now, it, it's not trying to be ungrateful. It's just what you're doing in that moment, if you really think about it, for the person that you're buying stuff for is you're saying, I don't really care what you need. I want to give you what I want to give you. And, and so that's, but that's not really how it works. And I think sometimes we have that same approach when it comes to our spouse. We want to give them what we want to give them, not necessarily thinking, well, what do they really Need And you need to understand something. The person you're married to is going to be opposite of you in most every occasion. Number one, if you're a guy, they're a girl. That's different than you, right? Uh, Number two, because they're a girl or they're a guy, their needs are completely different than your needs. The top three needs of a guy and a girl are completely different. And and as we study this, in fact, I want to give you the top three needs of a guy and a girl this this morning, or, or a husband and a wife, just so you can kind of see how different they are, okay? So number one need for a man is this, honor, honor. This is a mega need for men. And, and ladies, if you're in here today, you need to understand something. I'm gonna be vulnerable with you right now, okay, about how guys are. We are fragile when it comes to this. We are as fragile when it comes to this as, as a woman is, is sometimes fragile physically. Like this is a very touchy place for us. Men want to feel like they are respected, they are honored, it's, it's not always with a guy. What you say to him, it's, it's how you say it. It's how you talk to him. It's how you look at him. It's how you, the looks that you give. These things are a huge deal because honor is a big deal. So, so ladies, if you want to speak your husband's language, and on, you, you've got to honor him. You want to add anything to that, hon? No, that's good. Okay, number two need for a man is sex. Number two need for a man is sex. Um, men typically have a greater desire for sex than women do. Now, it's not always the case, but in most cases it is. Now, I read this this story. I've got to read you this story. This is amazing. Uh, this was from a book published in 1894. This lady named Ruth Smithers wrote this. This is instruction and advice for the young bride. Okay, now get ready. This is amazing. Okay.
1: <laughs> Seriously, tune in.
0: Yeah. To the sensitive young woman, who has had the benefit of a proper upbringing, the wedding day is ironically both the happiest and most terrifying day of her life. On the positive side, there is the wedding itself, in which the bride is the central attraction in a beautiful and inspiring ceremony, symbolizing her triumph in securing a (laughs) male to provide for all her needs for the rest of her life. On the negative side, there is the wedding night during which the bride must pay the piper, so to speak, by facing for the first time the terrible experience of sex. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) At this point, dear reader, let me concede one shocking truth. Some some young women actually anticipate the wedding night ordeal with curiosity and pleasure. Beware such an attitude. (laughs) A selfish and sensual husband can easily take advantage of such a bride, One cardinal rule of marriage should never be forgotten. Check this out. Give little, give seldom, and above all else, give grudgingly. Otherwise, what could have been a proper marriage could become an orgy of sexual lust. (laughs) 1894. Man, wouldn't you like to marry that girl? That's quite possibly the worst advice ever. In fact, I would tell you this. The opposite of that is pretty much how you need to approach it. Give a lot, give often, and above all, give freely. And all the men said, amen, amen. all right?
1: And let me speak to the ladies on this for just a second. Uh, When we first got married, I was one of the ones you need to be aware of that was um, very, what is it, they anticipate the wedding night ordeal with curiosity and pleasure. So I was excited about this. Kirohuchi, Uh, I guess. No, (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that word in a long time, Um, but no, I was excited, and uh, it it then quickly became a chore, and it just became something that I've (laughs) got to do. That's how
0: good I was. I guess I'll deal with this. Get in here. Awesome.
1: No. It, it, it became something that I didn't have the right perspective on. I didn't have the right heart on. And it was, I know this is a need of his because you hear it in church, so I'm going to meet his need. But I didn't see it as this gift that God had given us to connect with each other in such a great way. Um, but when God started to work in our marriage and, uh, and heal our marriage, he started to heal that part of our marriage as well. And uh, I just want to, to say to you today that when you decide, ladies, to... Uh, really value sex and really um, not see it as something just that you have to do to meet, your, to meet your husband's needs but that it's something that's a special encounter between the two of you, that it'll be good and that you'll enjoy it and it'll be something that you look forward to. What you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. So if you're, you're going at it from, I just am going to do this because I know he needs me to then you're not going to get a lot out of it. But when you go into it with the right mind frame, it'll be really good. And I also just want to say this kind of idea that the world paints of when you get married, then your sex life has to suffer. Or when you have a bunch of kids, you can't do that anymore and it be good. That's really lame and not true. So, um, So just really have the right mindset when it comes to sex. It can be a very fun and awesome part of your relationship.
0: And it gets better, right? Yes, it does. It's good. Number three for a man, man sees friendship with his wife. Um, A a man wants his wife to be his buddy, his friend. Um, One of the things I love about Sarah is she is my friend. We are best friends. And And in fact... Uh, when you study this out, most men are more likely to say that their wife is their best friend than wives are sometimes, but that's just how men are. We love buddies. We want our wife to be our buddy. Sometimes for you as a wife, realize for him, you just jumping in the car with him to go get gas, that means a lot to him. You go on to get, you know, a drink at Sonic, that means a lot. Like, that's, that's the kind, we want that. You sitting down to kind of hang out, watch the game, being a buddy to him, that's that's a desire of him. Okay, here's the top three needs of a woman. Number one is security. Sarah, you wanna speak into that?
1: Yeah, I think sometimes when we hear that, that the woman needs security, we think she needs like a big, strong protector that's not gonna let anything bad happen to her. But really what that means is that we need to know that we have a safe place in our spouse, that we can trust them, that they're always gonna be there for our family, for our kids, that they're never gonna walk out on us, that they're never going to... Um, um, do something to jeopardize our marriage, our family. That kind of trust brings security. Also, that they're never gonna make a dumb financial decision that's gonna send your your family down down spiraling. It, it's it's knowing also that they love God and that they hear from God. The thing that brings me the most security with in our relationship, and if this is a big need of women, this is important, guys. The thing that brings the most security is I know that he's in a good place with the Lord, that his relationship with God is the most important thing to him and that he's hearing from God. So when he tells us, hey, I think we're supposed to move and go to Oklahoma City and plant a church even though we don't have any jobs or know anybody there, I can be secure in that because I know he hears from God and I know he loves the Lord. So the greatest thing that will bring your spouse security is if you have a secure walk with God and they can see that in your life.
0: Number two is open and honest communication. Uh, Men, your wives, they want to hear, they want you to communicate with them and 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 give them details your wife's need mm-hmm. that realize for for sarah most of the time when i come home i walk in the door uh, she's with three little kids our oldest is 7 so she doesn't have really great conversations throughout the day she doesn't get to pour her heart out most of the time it's like did you do this and who did that and stop doing that and the, nice these, things too yeah nice things <laughs> too right uh, but it 's not real deep conversation, so when I get home, she wants to know what i 've been doing, and you know me just going oh, went to work like that 's not enough i 've got to communicate with her and realize this guys you 've got to realize this this is their number two need. this open and honest communication to your spouse this is as important as as sex is to you. so think about that where sex is in your life, communicating is to, is to them okay so Make it a priority that you're going to communicate well, that you're going to make a choice. I, I work at trying to speak her language in this way, that I give her details. I th- after I have a meeting, I try to think about, okay, what did we talk about in that meeting? Because I know she's going to ask me questions. And it never fails she asks me questions I have no answer for. But I try my best, okay? We keep trying, all right? Number three is soft non-sexual affection. Like that right, no uh soft on basically it's this it's it's loving them, which isn't leading to the bedroom, it's holding hands, it's cuddling up on the couch it's it's embracing Sarah, it's loving on her in a way that I'm saying that I don't have a ulterior motive in mind, and we they, they need this is in need of them, so we've got to love them, and here's the thing when you do this it it will sometimes lead to the other, but go into it with the right heart and it yeah. will be good, okay?
1: And you know, we talk about the needs of men and women and it's one of those things that, that when you register for something, there's a ton of vacuums and you pick the one that, that you need. These needs are just the, the umbrella. Like your wife has specific needs within these needs that you'll have to learn about her and same with your spouse. And, and I'll tell you this, this will help you guys out, both men and women. Men don't speak hint. So write that down. Men don't speak hint. If you want something from them, just because now we've told, you, you, you're thinking, okay, now he knows my needs, right. so I'm good. No. You have to continue to remind your husbands of yes. your needs. Communicate. Have adult conversations Amen. with your spouse and let them know what you need. I think about last week, I needed him to stay home. He usually goes out and works out in the morning. I needed him to stay home and do breakfast with the kids because I had a really busy day. So... Instead of hoping that he would just figure that out, I came to him and said, hey, tomorrow's gonna be really busy. I was wondering if you could stay home, not work out, and help me do breakfast with the kids. And of course he said yes, but had I not asked I him I would have gone to the gym. He would have gone to the gym. Yeah. He would have come home from the gym. I would have been stressed, mad at him, would have been a week-long like, dis- like discontent between the two of us because I just didn't communicate. So even though your husband knows your needs and even though your wife knows your needs, You still have to remind them, not nag them, but adult conversation, let them know what you need.
0: Right. Uh, Okay, so let's jump to point number three. Yes,
1: okay. So point number three is make together a habit. Make together a habit. It's Mark 7 through nine. It says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So we see here that when husband and, wife, uh, husband and wife get married, they become one. They're supposed to be together. And it says that we're not to let anyone, no one, or no thing separate us. We're, we're not to let anyone or anything pull us apart. We're supposed to be together, right? Um, but I think a lot of times we let things pull us apart. I know for us we have to work hard. We're busy. We've got a lot going on. But we've decided we're not going to let work. We're not going to let friends We're not going to let our kids we're not going to let this church we will not let anything pull us apart because god put us together
0: so out of that we we the other side of that is we've got to be intentional with our life like we have to make intentionally make choices to be together and to do things together yeah um for example we pray together every monday night one of the things that we do if you're a couple you gotta pray with your spouse i'm telling you it's so powerful it will change your life it may be feel awkward up front but if you'll begin to pray with your spouse, God wants to speak to you through your spouse. He wants you to speak to them, uh, and and it's amazing how often we'll go into that Monday night and we don't really feel like doing it. But after we walk out away from it, we feel so empowered for the rest of our week because we connect with God in our marriage together, and He 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 uses each and every one, each of us, to speak to each other. Um, we go yeah. ahead.
1: We uh, we put our kids to, to bed every night at eight p.m., and this gives us a chance. To be together without them around. Um, We're not always together. Like We do things alone. Usually after we put the kids to to bed, I go off for about an hour by myself. He goes off for about an hour by himself, Um, get things done that we need to get done, relax, unwind, and then we come together. So have time alone where your kids aren't there. If you need to put them in the rooms, um, even if they're older, say, hey, you guys go hang out upstairs or go read books or whatever you need to do so that you two can be together.
0: We go to bed together at the mm-hmm. same time. We have a bedtime for, for ourselves. We're not, she doesn't go to bed. Sarah goes to bed a little bit earlier at 10. I can stay up a little bit later, but I don't stay up. I, what I do is I go get in bed and I read my Bible. I do whatever I was gonna do in, in bed with her. Um, there's just something about us being there together at the same time at night, I think is important and I think yeah. is safe for us in our marriage. Uh, we have hobbies that we do together. Um, yeah.
1: We're not really hobby people, but we'll find things like we love to eat. Uh, we love good restaurants. We love movies. We love finding a good series on Netflix that we can watch together. Yeah. Like I have a, a show of mine. He has a show of his that he likes, but we, we're not at night, at the end of the night. He's on one end of the couch watching a show. I'm on the other end of the couch with my face and my phone not connecting. When we're together. We're together. We're doing something that we both love. Maybe it's going on walks. Maybe it's, I know there's couples here that love to shoot guns together or find stuff that you can do where you are together. It's important every day to spend time together. Yeah,
0: we go on date nights together. We do that at least once a month where we're gonna go out. We're gonna, we're gonna uh, pay a babysitter to watch our kids. It costs a lot of money. It costs a lot more than when we were just dating. But we don't see it as just spending money. We see it as an investment in our marriage. We need time away from the kids like that. We still we, we need that. It breathes life into our, our marriage. Where we are with three little kids, once a month is about the best we can do. We'll also do date nights at home sometimes where we rent a movie and we, we have a different meal that we're going to eat after we put the kids down we're, you know to make it work for us. But I think it's important that you continue to date your spouse. Take them out and treat them right and then this is a big one have fun with your spouse laugh have jokes like I think back to when we first got we're dating and getting to know each other we had fun together we had a good time it wasn't always just intense sometimes I see couples I talk to couples it just seems so intense all the time have fun like find things you can do that are fun find shows you can watch that you can laugh at Find ways that you can just enjoy each other. Have fun. Go back to who you were at the beginning and yeah. try to think of those things that you guys enjoy together and make it fun.
1: And let me just say this too. I know a lot of people have spouses that travel and they're gone during the week, so you can't be together every day. But that just means you're gonna have to work a little bit harder. If, you're tra- if your spouse is traveling, make, time, make sure that you have time to be on the phone together. Um, you really get to talk and, and find out about each other's day. And then I'll just say this. When you get married, make sure that the the only thing that you have in common is not just your address. Don't just live together under the same roof, coming and going, doing your own things. You've got to have more in common than just your street address.
0: Yep. All right. Number four, last point is see the marriage counselor. See the marriage counselor. Now notice it doesn't say see a marriage counselor. It says see the marriage counselor. Now I'm not saying anything is wrong with marriage counselors. Marriage counselors are great Uh, We saw a marriage counselor when we were really struggling with our marriage. We, We have people in our life that we go to for counsel sometimes and just how to have a good marriage. You need people that can speak into your life. Sometimes you need other people that can come in and help you get to a place of agreement. So we encourage people in the church when they come to us. Sometimes we encourage them to seek counseling with the church or to seek outside counseling. But here's the thing. You need to realize that you have access to the greatest counselor in all the world in the Holy Spirit who wants to be a part of your marriage, who wants to strengthen you and help you in your marriage. John 16, 7, Jesus said this, talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he's been talking about the Holy Spirit through John 14, 15, 16, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So in this verse, Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit and he calls him the helper. That word helper means this. It's it's the word paraclete and it means this. It means intercessor, strengthener, standby, advocate, comforter, and look at this, counselor. The Holy Spirit is your counselor. And the Bible says in other verses, he wants to guide you into all truth and all wisdom and all knowledge. You have access to the Holy Spirit. He wants to speak to you. He wants to show you what to do when you don't know what to do. He wants to help you to understand how to communicate with your wife when you don't know how to. He wants to be a part of your marriage and, and join in it with you. You see, this is God's godly math when it comes to your marriage. I think Casey's got this up here. Casey, go ahead. One man plus one God plus one woman equals one. If you want to be one in your marriage, it's not just me and Sarah. We have to be connected with God. we got to connect individually with God, and we have to connect as a couple with God. And we need to draw from the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you how many times that we have been at places where we didn't know what to do, we were struggling in our marriage or whatever, and when we went to the Holy Spirit, He began to speak truth in us and give us wisdom and give us knowledge that helped change the game for us. And also know this, as you connect to God, the Bible talks about, John 4, 4, verse 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If you want to love your spouse the way they need to be loved, you've got to connect to the source of love, which is God. If you don't know God, you don't know love. You can't, you can't love your spouse the way they need to be loved outside of having that connection with God. It's vital. It's huge to to doing what it is God's called you to do.
1: Yeah, I remember when we decided to fight for our marriage. I was young, and I really didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to make this work. I didn't know how to deal with pornography addiction, and I didn't, I really didn't know what to do, and we really couldn't afford to see a counselor, and some of the stuff we we had gotten at the counselor was just like, just tell him five things at the end of the night that you really like about him, and that wasn't working. We needed something more. And so that year, we had an hour in the car commute. We only had one car, this little beat-up 1997 Nissan Altima. It was my first car.
0: Turquoise. And
1: yeah, it was great. And um, I would take him to work, and then I'd drive across Tulsa to my job. And so I ended up being in the car for an hour. And I just turned my car into a prayer closet, and I would just pray, pray in English, pray in spirit. And in that car with God, with the Holy Spirit, he would counsel me. And he would tell me how to trust again, how to forgive, how to love him like he needed to be loved, how to listen. He gave me all that I need. And, and the great thing about the Holy Spirit, guys, is he's paid for. Jesus paid the ultimate price so that we could see the greatest counselor pro bono. Like he does it all for us, And there, all we have to do is ask. All we have to do is listen. And the counselor will tell you what you need to do to take, take your marriage to the next
0: level. I remember when we were going through this process of, of getting our marriage right and, and trying to get it fixed. Um, as Sarah said earlier, I had, a, I had a pornography addiction. And it was a bad deal. I got it in, in junior high. And it was something that I kept trying to kind of get over. And I, I could not. And uh, I, got it, I, got, I, got, I had the thinking that someday when I get married, this will all go away. Well, it didn't. In fact, it got worse and worse the longer I was in it, and so finally I'd kind of come clean, and we were in the process of of healing our marriage now and trying to get this right. Uh, and I was doing really good. I had months of freedom, no no miss, mess ups or anything like that. But something weird began to happen to me. I started having like this really bad anxiety, and what would happen is I would have uh, I'd be just at work, and all of a sudden I would have an image from the past that would pop up in my head, and then out of that this anxiety would hit me to the point that I would like physically shake, and I could not shake it. And I knew the word of God, I knew what the Bible said, and I would do all those things. I'd speak the word, I'd I'd get up, I'd walk away from my desk, I'd go outside, I'd pray in the spirit, I'd do all these things, and I could not shake this. So I took it to the next step. Okay, I need to tell somebody about this. So I'd I call up my dad. You've got to know something about my dad. My dad's been in ministry for 40 plus years. He knows the Bible backwards, frontwards, side to side. I'd call him up. I'd say, Dad, I promise I didn't mess up. I haven't made a mistake here. I'm just struggling. Like, I'm just really having a hard time here. And I need, I need prayer. I can't break this anxiety. I just, all this fear is hitting me that I've messed my life up, that I'll never amount to any. Like, just the oppression from the enemy was attacking me. And so my dad gets on the phone, he starts praying for me. And I'm telling you, he prayed these incredible prayers over me. These prayers are just full of the word of God, full of faith, powerful prayers. I'd say, thank you, hang up the phone. And I felt zero relief. And so finally I was like, I I kept trying to shake this and I can't shake it. And finally I just thought, okay, I've got to tell Sarah. And I didn't want to tell Sarah, and here's why. I, I felt like she was already dealing with so much already. I didn't want to put more on her. She'd already, she already found out I was struggling. Now I'm just gonna to have to come to her again and say, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm still struggling, I can't, you know, and I didn't want to have to tell her that. But I, I couldn't shake it. And so finally one day I call her up and I say, "Hun, i I'm sorry, I promise you I haven't messed up. You can come look and check all my stuff. I, I, I'm just having a really tough time. I got a lot of fear hitting me. I can't seem to shake this. And She's on the phone and she just goes, well, I'll be right there. And she just kind of hangs up. And so I'm thinking, oh, great. She probably thinks I screwed up or messed up again. She's probably mad at me. So I'm sitting there and waiting a few minutes. She works just a little ways down the street from me. And I get a text and she says, hey, come outside. And so I, I go outside and she's sitting there in that little car. And when I walk up to the door, she's got a big smile on her face. And she's got a root beer with two straws in it. And I get in the car with her. And she just gives me a big hug and just loved me. And I can't tell you what she said. I can't tell you what she prayed. But what she was, was she was there when I needed her. She loved me. And I'm telling you, it broke that spirit off of me. And I learned in that moment, when I'm having a tough time, I can go to her. Because where I'm weak... She's strong. Listen, the Bible says that two people, when you get married, two people become one flesh. You know what part of my flesh doesn't struggle with lust? That part. If you're married and you're struggling with this kind of stuff, man, you need to talk to your spouse. I know it's hard. I've been there. I've had to do it. I know it's hard. But if you want to find freedom, they're the ones that can help you find it. I'm here to tell you today, God want, he, he brought you guys together. He unified you in marriage. And he wants you to draw strength from each other. He wants you to have an amazing marriage, an amazing walk with him. And you can have that today. So, here's what we want to do today as we close the service. If you're here with your spouse, I want you to just join hands with him right now. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for our marriages in this church. And here's what we do we commit today that we're going to do our best, that we, we can't fix the past outside of moving forward in the future and pursuing to have the best marriage we I can Maybe you're here today and you're not married just join faith. God, help me to become the best person I can be for that person that God has for me. Wherever you may be, take a moment right now. We're going to pray for you. And I want you to just believe God that he's going to heal your marriage. He's going to grow you and help you develop in all God's called you to be. All right, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we thank you today that you love us so much, that you love marriage, that you created marriage, that you joined us together. And we thank you, Lord, for helping us to be who it is you've called us to be to our spouse, to speak in their language, to minister life and healing and health to them, to, to be the one who's there for them in, in those dark days. To Lord, help us to, to be in this covenant relationship like you've called us to have with our spouses to bring life and healing to them. In Jesus' name, Lord, for those who are here today and they're they're not married yet or maybe they're divorced, God, I pray that you would pick them up today, wherever they are. Help them to develop to become the best possible husband or wife they could ever be. I thank you that you speak life to each and every person today. I thank you that you put faith in us today that things can be better. As we pursue you, you will come in and add to what we're doing and give it life in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?